Hello, hello, hello. My name is Courtney Turner, and you are listening to Bluegrass Community Foundation's Do Good Radio Hour. In 1915, in response to the lack of information on the accomplishments of Black people available to the public, historian Carter G. Woodson co-founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History. In 1926, the group declared the second week of February as Negro History Week to recognize the contributions of African Americans to U.S. history. The week-long event officially became Black History Month in 1976 and has been celebrated in the United States every February since. And we here at the Do Good Radio Hour will be celebrating all month long with episodes dedicated to learning, listening, and honoring members of the Black community. It has been such an honor and a serious pleasure to talk with these guests, and we hope you enjoy hearing from them just as much as we did. Today's guest is easily one of the most incredible people I've ever met. He is a man with many hats. And what I will say, the hats that he does actually wear are very cool hats. (laughs) He is an activist. He is a hip-hop artist. He's an Emmy winner. He's a motivational speaker. And he's just an all-around light in our community, and I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. Here is Divine Karama. talked to the mayor about you the other day oh yeah i had her on the show and we were talking about what music she likes to listen to and Uh she said that she's pretty eclectic but she cannot find rap music that Mm -hmm. she's into and i was like well we've got to get you hooked up with divine karama but Mm -hmm. she did credit you for getting her Mm -hmm. hooked on some hip-hop so yeah Yeah. Yeah. she you're you're doing the lord's work i'm trying to (laughs) to get her to listen to some (laughs) (laughs) hip-hop we talk about it from time to time i think the language is what is her biggest barrier. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I try to tell her, you know, hip hop comes from um rough underserved circumstances. Mm-hmm. So the music can only reflect the reality that it comes from. Mm-hmm. But hope is a part of it too. So I told her that's why mine I said my music wasn't always clean. 
Sure. You know, you grow to that point. So she kind of understood it. You know, I said, right. you, you came up in the 60s, you know, <laughs> you know about revolution. You get it. Yeah. Honestly, what is the difference between hip hop music and rap music? That's good. Do you want to do this on air? Yeah. Or would that be on our Let's you know, do look, it. Yeah. That's a that's Listen, a good conversation let's, right. Let's there. go ahead. I love okay. it. Okay. Okay. Um <clears throat> rap is something that you do, but hip hop is something that you live. Mm. Hip hop is a culture. So hip hop is actually made of four elements, which one of them is rap or the MC. Mm-hmm. Um the other element is the DJ. That's the person, you know, that's you, okay. right? That's the person that's maestroing the sound mm-hmm. or making the beat. And then dance, which was breakdance in the 80s, and art, visual art. So mm-hmm. hip-hop is actually four elements and is considered a culture where rap is just like something that— Yes, and I think even metaphorically rap— in hip hop, the difference is rap is just something that's just kind of done as a profession for the money, mm-hmm. maybe for the clout. But hip hop is a little deeper. Mm. Um, it, it's a little bit more integrity um, artistically. And so you'll hear a lot of old heads say, well, what's the difference between rap and hip hop? <laughs> but right? there is. Yeah. 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 And that's what they're saying, essentially. Mm. So I'm more of uh, a hip hop artist. Um, there's layered meanings to my writing, mm-hmm. degree of difficulty, um, purpose, and those are things that were in the inception of hip hop that's kind of been lost because you know it makes a lot of money. Right. I mean, I think there's AI rappers now. Oh. Yeah, like computer generated, and they're charting in other countries like computer generated rappers. That's so scary. Yep. Do you and. I don't think that you would get offended, but do you ever correct people when they say that you're a rapper? Say, no. I, I don't. I, now, I will say I'm a generation after the original founding generation, okay. right? Hip-hop was born in 73. Mm-hmm. I was born in 1980, but I didn't start getting into hip-hop to the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. So I think that might offend that original, you know, the ones that came in when it first started. Right. But for me, um, I think my skill set will define what I am when people hear me. So if they call me a rapper, MC, it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> so happy you could be here. Yeah. We've done a lot of running around, so I'm so happy that yes. you're here. I appreciate you sticking with me. Yeah, yeah. of course, of course. Um, there are a thousand things that we need to talk about, yeah, but yeah. I... I've promised that I'm going to stop saying this eventually, but I'm mm-hmm. relatively new to Lexington. I've only been here for what seems to be a minute. Mm-hmm. And apparently you are the man with the plan. <laughs> You've done a thousand things. God, man with yeah. many hats, as you will. Yeah. So I kind of want to take it pretty far back, okay. if that is okay. Sure, You're sure. originally from Lexington. Yep, born and raised. What was growing up in Lexington like? Um, I, I think growing up, we kind of felt like there were two Lexingtons, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and other cultures may say three, right? But for us, there was um, those of us who were people of color or came from underserved neighborhoods, and then there was white Lexington, mm-hmm. you know, just being honest. Um, there were certain things we didn't think we were privy to. Um, there was a huge divide culturally. And so growing up... Um, was difficult at first, but I had two parents who 
raised me to be well balanced. And so I played baseball growing up. Um, I went to LCA for one year in high school. Okay. Right. So I was in spaces um, that really pushed me to um, have to be confident in who I was. Um, but then also how to build relationships with people who may not be where I'm from or look like me. Mm -hmm. And so even though it was kind of rough early on, I actually kind of love growing up in Lexington. Um, I think that there's a lot of um, lack of awareness that divides us, but I don't consider Lexington a hateful place at all. Mm. It's very progressive, always has been, but, you know, people got to get in the same room. Right. And so I felt like my parents forced me to do that at a young age, which is why when I grew up, naturally, I just wanted to be a bridge mm -hmm. to different people. That makes sense. Have you ever been one of those people who thought about leaving and coming back? Or did you oh, yeah. always know that you were going to plant roots here? Oh, yeah. Like, like especially with music. Like, I got offered a, a couple record deals in my mid-20s. Mm. And, I, and I always thought, um, well, even before that. So let's go back. Age 20, I got drafted to play baseball. Okay, I didn't yeah. know this about you. You yeah. were a for real baseball player. Yeah, yeah. Like a, I was a pitcher. I got drafted. I had a baseball card, everything. Crazy. So got drafted and played a couple years. I was a low draft pick, but mm -hmm. got played a couple years, got injured, got in some trouble down there, and got cut, right? And so now I'm trying to rehab and see if I could get back at it. Um, didn't work out. So I had my two children at a young age. So I came back home from baseball, and now I'm a dad. Now I'm a single dad. And so um, at first I thought baseball would take me out of here. Um, before that, basketball maybe. And then music came, and it was like, man, maybe music, you know, because my style of hip-hop um, geared more towards the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, the history of the Harlem Renaissance led to a more of a lyrical style of hip-hop in New York, which mm -hmm. was my style. So I always thought I would go there. I toured a lot there when I was an independent artist. But um, my children is what kept me here early on. That's the reason I never left. And then from there, I just, just a love affair with Lexington. I said, you know what, this is where God wants me to be. So I'm gonna pour everything I got into my city. Mm. Yeah. Now, where did that love of music start? Was that before baseball? Or did you kind of find that on the path? I, the love started at a young age. But I think hip hop, my parents my parents didn't see hip-hop as even a um, not a viable source of income. They didn't <laughs> see it as real music. Right. A lot of older folks didn't. Mm -hmm. So the passion really started when I was like eight or nine uh, for hip-hop, but then just music overall. I started writing in high school. Um, so I always had a love for it, but I didn't think it was possible to pursue it. Mm -hmm. And so I actually didn't really start pursuing it seriously until I was like 27 or 28. And oh, that's actually okay. pretty old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So after baseball, um, I came back home, no college degree, two kids, single dad. And I kind of went down the wrong path a little bit. Right. Went into the streets trying to figure myself out. Thank God I realized I wasn't built for that. Right. So I got up out of that and I said, you know what? Music is what God gave me. Music's going to be my way out. It's going to be my way to find my purpose. Mm. Um, and I never look back. Do you feel like you have a good sense of what that purpose is now? I do. Um, I honestly think it's two things. I think being a bridge, um, because I believe our true solutions that'll make 
our world better is in the spaces of gray. But we are in such polarizing times mm -hmm. where you're either here or here. And even if you kind of agree with some stuff over there, you won't admit it because it'll be weaponized against mm -hmm. you. And so nothing really gets done. And so I want to be a bridge to bring people together. But then I want to inspire young people to find the leadership within. That leadership's not a position. It's not a salary. It's not a job. Mm -hmm. It's not where you come from. It's just are you brave enough to utilize where you are in life to help others? Just that simple. So if I can teach young people um, to find a leader within themselves, that's my purpose. Now, you're also traveling around to schools and being yeah. a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. How does that even happen? Like, you don't <laughs> – I don't know if anybody grows up and says, I think I would like to be a motivational speaker. There has Not to be. All. Also, that comes with a lot of, like, trauma and baggage. So how mm -hmm. did that happen for you? For me, honestly um, – Unless I'm like I'm a very introverted person, believe it or not. So like they'll even people will say in the city, you know, Divine, he's kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, he's <laughs> off to himself. You know, we don't really see him when I'm in purpose. Uh, you know, I'll speak, but I'm really introverted. So the motivational speaking thing happened because of music first. Mm. So a teacher, matter of fact, my 10 year anniversary is coming up when I started. So a teacher from Bryan Station Middle School said, I got a couple of kids acting up, but they're both fans of your music. Would you consider coming and just talking to them, just giving some type of motivational, tell them how you, you know, got into the music industry. But when I got there, they had me set up in the library and I talked to, I think it was 20 or 30 kids <laughs> in increments from 8 to 3. And so, like, I spoke to the whole school. Right. And I'm like, but it allowed me to develop a presentation, essentially. You know, you know I did the first one. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe next time I'll incorporate this. Mm -hmm. Did that. Okay, that was cool. Maybe I ought to rap for him the next time. And then by the end, it's like I kind of got this rhythm, and I said, maybe I should try to do this, this more often. And so that's how it started. Um, never wrote anything down on paper. Um, and I think I've spoken to hundreds of thousands of kids, maybe, all oh over the country gosh. since then. Yeah. Because you're not just here in Lexington. No, no. I've been to, um, I lived in North Carolina for a while, so I okay. go there a couple times a year from Charlotte to Greensboro. I've been to Atlanta speaking up to Connecticut, been all the way out Montana doing a leadership <laughs> presentation, Cincinnati, all over Kentucky. So, yeah, God's blessed me to, to go all over to do that. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What are some of the things that you see in a younger generation when you're speaking to them? Or what questions do you get asked? And are they different here in this community than they are in the Atlanta, in, you know, in the Charlottes? Or does everybody question. have like a pretty common ground that they're coming from? What I've noticed over the years from when I first started is each year, regardless of where I speak, the kids are more and more alike. And mm -hmm. I guess what I mean by that is I think social media has connected us all, which is a good thing, but it's erased a lot of the um, geographical uniqueness that used to exist, mm -hmm. the accents, the way people dress, the style of music or hip-hop. Now they're all getting their same social cues and everything, fashion tips from the same place. And so a lot of the issues and problems are the same, regardless of where mm -hmm. I go. 
And that's probably been the biggest change I've seen over the years. Um, I could go here and the problems here would be completely different than here. But now um, we're starting to see the same issues everywhere because kids are all connected in the same space, right? right? So whether it's the same music, same playlist, same, you know, Instagram, mm-hmm. TikTok, same challenges. So yep. that's been unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's what has made my message resonate, though, because it talks about leadership. So right. Um, and not having to switch, you know, every place I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you also obviously have a heart for giving and philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Where did that start? That started really through hip hop because hip hop is synonymous like with community, at least the early, at least the hip hop I was brought mm-hmm. up on. So it was always about um, kind of fighting the system, representing for the underserved, voice for the voiceless. And so I think I just reached a point where I'm like, I'm tired of rapping about it. You know, let's actually do get mm-hmm. in the community and do it. And so I remember coming back home from North Carolina and doing a benefit concert for an AAU team. And then a mother who lost her son to gun violence said, can you do a poetry night to help us raise funds for my son? And and I sat there and I was like, you know, this is what I want to do. And that was probably about 2009. And ever since then, um, it's been full steam ahead. You know, how can I leverage whatever um, attention I've gained through music and throwing events to now leverage that to give back to the community and Mm -hmm. That's just been my purpose for the last almost 15 years. Now, there are three things that I want to put into this little package. Sure. First, you do an annual coat drive. Yeah. You just finished that this last December. In December, right. How did that go? It was the most coats we ever gave away. It was a lot of coats. Over 3,500. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Most we ever did. Um, you know, the need was great. We do Eastern Kentucky as well as Central Kentucky, and so with the floods— the need was just astronomical mm-hmm. this year. So it went really great. And I do that through my own nonprofit called Believing in Forever Inc. And so um, a lot of those endeavors I moved into um, my day job, mm-hmm. which is through one Lexington in the mayor's office, just to kind of consolidate those efforts. So the really the only thing I do through my nonprofit is that in the Luna Library. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, co-drive went great. Went really good. And before the <clears throat> co-drive, you mm-hmm. did... A walk? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think I was going to have to do it again. <laughs> what? What is yeah. that? So a walk for warmth. Um, I think back in 2017, I performed for 48 hours straight to raise awareness. Oh, my God. Then I did a walk for warmth the next year. Then I didn't have to do anything for about four <laughs> years. And with the needs so great, donations were down, inflation you know, there was a lot of things happening Absolutely. that impacted people. And so I wanted to do something that would bring attention to the coat drive. And so I went out and walked 50 miles over the course of a weekend. And uh, we were able to raise quite a bit of funds. And so it did what it needed to do, just, some, you know, engage in personal sacrifice to mm-hmm. get the attention on a good cause. Shit. How do you come up with these? I mean, that's a very <laughs> creative idea. Do, yeah. do you just, like, keep a notepad by your bed and, like— Dream of it? Or? If people only knew how random it was. <laughs> it is literally me just praying and saying, what can I do? Right. You know, and it's just whatever pops in my head. And I'm like, all right, mm. let's do that. Mm. You know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Easy as that. Yeah. That's simple. Now, you kind of touched on it. Yeah. But explain what One Lexington is and what you all do. 
Yeah, so One Lexington is a um, initiative out of the mayor's office. Jim Gray started it in 2017. It was, a, it was in response to a teenage girl who was shot and killed um, at the cookout here in Lexington. Mm-hmm. And her dad was a, a famous Olympic track star, um, Tyson Gay. And so because of who he was, it made national attention. So the city felt like they needed to do something. They started One Lexington. A um, couple years later, the pandemic hit, and it really um, hit One Lexington um, to the point where it wasn't um, really doing much, mm-hmm. right? And so coming out of the pandemic, um, the mayor appointed me as a director to kind of revitalize it because we were seeing gun violence spike, not just here, but all over. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to change the focus to ages 13 to 29 because that's where most of the impact was coming. and. So we leverage government resources, community partnerships to reduce gun violence from a community up approach. Um, You know, the law enforcement do what they do, but we try to focus on some of the long term systemic issues. Mm -hmm. So whether that's mentoring in the schools, whether that's working with hospital trauma units who are the first people to come in contact with gunshot victims. Um, how can we do reentry programs, help um, felons get jobs so they're not going back to the cycle of mm-hmm. violence in the streets? How are we helping those impacted by gun violence? Um, what can we do to lobby to change gun laws? Um, you know, how can we get money into the hands of grassroots organizations that's already doing the work? And so um, it's a lot, um, but it's much needed. And it's really the first time Lexington has had a, a organization truly focused and leveraging resources towards gun violence reduction. Mm. Yeah. How would an average person go about even starting the journey of finding a solution for gun violence? Yeah. And I think that's one of my biggest challenges that I love, right? Mm. Because Lexington is filled with such good folks. Everybody wants to help and be a part. But a lot of times when you say gun violence, they automatically think you got to be a street outreach worker. You got to have some type of background. Um, But anybody can go to an elementary school, volunteer and read the kids. Mm -hmm. Anybody can start a mentoring program because so much of the work we do is preventative. Messaging is important. Um, When you think of your yard signs, throw a stop the violence yard sign. Tomorrow, we're partnering with Green Dot to do a bystander awareness training, which is um, how do you react and respond to somebody um, in a domestic violence situation? Last year, we saw the highest number of domestic violence-related homicides ever in Lexington. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's ways that we can be responsible when we see certain signs, we see stuff happening. How do we respond as a community? It could save a life. Um, we pass out uh, food baskets. I mean, we there's so much that the average person could do. So we always tell them, just hit us up, let us know what you're comfortable doing, and we'll find a place for you. Where do you see One Lexington being in five, ten years? Hopefully um, doing zero programming. You know, I would love One Lexington to become kind of the incubator for all the other organizations Mm -hmm. already doing the work instead of reinventing the wheel. We want to do grant programs to elevate them, um, host trainings um, to make their work more impactful, Um, be able to look at the roadmap and say this organization needs to partner with this organization and pull them together, get businesses in the faith community more involved. Mm -hmm. That's the long-term goal for One Lexington, I think, is leveraging my relationship with the community to amplify those who are already doing it. Mm -hmm. 
what role has your faith played in everything? I mean, from your music to your philanthropy mm-hmm. to your speaking, how has that given you a bit of a roadmap in your journey? It's everything. You know, my life started to change when I stopped focusing so much on what I wanted to do and when I really, truly tried to listen to what God was telling me. Mm. And that's what makes things so easy for me, right? You know, my wife will argue with me, not argue, but she'll, you know, we'll go back and forth. She's like, everybody's ear isn't in tune with his voice like yours. So Mm -hmm. it's not as easy as it seems for everybody. But that is a gift that God has given me is that I can hear him. And so I'm just following his voice. He's literally orchestrating every move. So when people say, man, you should get into politics, you should run, right? And I'm like, but that's not what God's Mm -hmm. telling me, you know, just because y'all think that that's the move or something I could do. If he's not guiding my steps in that direction, I'm not going. And it hasn't hurt me so far, right? Mm. So um, that and then also I think just my belief system, knowing that we are seeing an attack on faith, Mm. of all faiths really. And so um, understanding that, but then usually what you believe in, you don't waver too much. Mm. So when you make your belief system the foundation of your leadership, then your leadership doesn't waver. So you might not agree with me. But you're always going to get the real. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely it, it's it's the reason for everything I do. Mm. Yeah. If there was I mean, this is probably not going to be a hard question for you at all. But if there was someone who was younger and wanted to kind of follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give them? Ooh, man. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I'm at a crossroads with that because, to be honest, my life has just been so it's like Forrest Forrest Gump. Mm -hmm. You know, it's but everybody has their Forrest Gump story. Mm -hmm. And so I think embracing every step and stage of life is the first thing I would tell somebody young and coming up. You may not understand why you're going through this. But it's ultimately going to play a role in the end game, because now when I took this position in the mayor's office, everything I've been through in life from my time in the streets, which I should have never been there. Right. But for some reason, God put me through that. Now I understand because it relates to those that have been in the streets, whether it's hip hop music. Now I can use that to gain credibility with these kids, which means I can reach them to. My time at a, a middle school being a paraeducator, right? Every single step in my life, even losing my daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Now I can understand the pain of those who have lost children, right, to gun violence. So I would just tell them to embrace every stage of life, good and bad, mm-hmm. because it's part of what's going to make you prepare for whatever God's calling you to do. Mm-hmm. And it could be totally different than, than you know, my walk, right? Right. But, you know, just embrace it all. You know, you don't need it. <laughs> you may not realize <laughs> yes, it, but you're going to need it. But you need it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of like a Forrest Gump story, you uh-huh. have an Emmy. <laughs> yeah. How? Okay. Yeah. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. What, where did that even come from? Yes. Yeah, so I got approached to do a, a kind of a theme song for a new show that was on WLEX 18. Mm-hmm. And it was called Positively LEX18. And it's a show where they want to feature positive news. 
And it was kind of inspired off the work I was doing in the community because they were like, you know, every time they interviewed me, they would be like, man, it's good to do a good story for a change. Right. And so they started a whole show, asked me if I wanted to do the theme song. And I said, sure. So me and my DJ, JK47, went in the studio, cooked something up. And it was like, we got to shoot a video for this. And I'm like, "Okay, let's do it. So the video came out so good. It got Mm -hmm. such good feedback from you know, the station, but then also the community. And they were like, we're going to submit this for an Emmy. Um, long shot, but you know, we'll try it because yeah. we've never seen anywhere a hip hop, you know, collaborate with mm-hmm. a news station. And so it got nominated and they said, well, it got nominated, but there's some other really good spots. So it's probably not going to win. But, sure. you know, we Look went out you. there. Mm. We won. You're the first uh, hip hop artist, first hip hop artist from Kentucky, Kentucky to win an Emmy. What does that mean for you? I mean, that's huge. Everything. Everything. Because I'm always the guy who, I'm the underground hero, right? right? I'm the the guy that, the most talented guy that never made it, right? Um, Big quotation marks around that. Right. You know, because <laughs> making it is, you know, it's different. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But so to get kind of validated with something like that, it, it does mean a lot. Definitely means a lot. Okay, we are going to go into our next segment, which okay. is called BGCF Fast Facts. Okay. Where I'm going to ask you a question, and without thinking about it too much, you are going to give me Just the boom. first answer. Yep. Okay. Okay, are you ready? Let's do it. What are you reading right now? Um, Tweets. Just gonna be honest, I'm not reading. I'm not reading any books right now. Just tweets. That's what it. a good answer. <laughs> just, Who are you following? I'm scrolling. I'm following Mark Lamont Hill, um, Hannah Drake, who's a poet from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Matt Jones, um, yeah. Kentucky Sports Radio. Um, several hip hop artists. Um, little couple of wrestling fanatics. I keep up with pro wrestling. Believe it or not, you know, yeah. What so, I need you to know about me okay. <laughs> is my 13th birthday mm-hmm. was John Cena themed. And I oh, wow. seriously thought that he was going to like come to my party <laughs> and marry me. I made all of my friends take a picture with a life-size John Cena poster. Uh-huh. It was really intense. Okay, look, he's one of the goats. He is. And he had bars, too. Let's Listen, not forget. Let's not forget. He, he was great. He yeah. could do a little freestyle he here was and good. there. He, he was, was good. good. He was really West good. West Newberry, Massachusetts. Look, he was really good. I love his theme song. <laughs> <laughs> what are you watching right now? Ooh, I just finished Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, season two. I'm actually re-watching you. I know. I had to get. I had to go back. Um... I'm a really big Harlan Coben fan. Okay. So he's got a bunch of UK detective shows on Netflix. Um, but right now I'm binge watching for probably the fifth time Broadchurch. Yeah. Yeah. It was on Netflix, I believe. So I'm, that's kind of another detective murder mystery uh-huh. show. And so I'm currently watching that. Um, but then also BMF on Stars. What's that? So Black Mafia Family was a big, like, street gang out of Detroit. Okay. And they were really big in the 90s. And so 50 Cent, who did Power, yeah. the show Power, so he, he now he's doing the BMF. He's, How, and that's know, on Stars. It's on Stars. Cool. Yep, uh, Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. What are you listening to right I've never been so excited to ask this question. What are you listening to right now? Listening to, um, I'm listening to a lot of old boom bap. Um, hip-hop stuff Mm -hmm. you know this year is the 50th anniversary of Mm hip-hop so a lot of old stuff um mickey facts i'm listening to a little bit of lecrae 
Nas, King's Disease was my favorite album last year. Some Pusha T and Jada Kiss. Okay. Yeah. How are you celebrating the 50th? I'm going to do from April, April, May, June, July, I'm going to do an event called Brown Sugar at the Loudon House, Lexington Art League. It's a, kind of a hip-hop showcase for local artists. And then on July... On August 11th, which is Hip Hop's birthday, we're going to do a big concert. We're either going to do it at the Lyric Theater or Manchester Music Hall. I'm negotiating with them both, but we're going to do it big. And then I'm going to drop a couple projects this year. It's been That's a couple exciting. years. Yeah, so I'm back in the lab. Okay, yeah. okay. What are you eating right now? Oh, man. Anytime I can find a good steak, mm. I'm eating it. Okay. I'm a big um, New York strip guy. Mm-hmm. Chipotle, though, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm four or five times a week. Really? Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> what's your What's your order? Do you it's steak the, bowl it? It's the simplest order ever. It's always a three pointer, which is just rice and meat. That's okay. it. Nothing else. Okay. So usually it's rice and chicken, but lately I've been doing some rice and steak. Um, three pointer, chips, Coke, bottle Coke. That's it. Easy. They know when I walk in the door. They're just like, oh, okay. Is it to go or here? <laughs> You're a regular at Chipotle. Oh, yes. That's exciting. Yes. <laughs> what are you most scared of? <laughs> Dogs. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I'm. A, I got a huge phobia. I'm. A, I, I do not do well around dogs. Now let's go to therapy. I know. What is that from? <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a big shaggy dog lived on on the block. Okay. And. It was playing with me. I was on the ground on my back, and it kind of had its paws on my face. Somebody called its name. It started to try to run while it was standing on my face. Scratch me. Gotcha. Never been the same. Yep. Now I worked at UPS for a while, and there's something about that uniform. They just don't like it. They don't. Are you a pet person? Do you have cats? No. Nope. No no pets. But I love studying animals from afar, learning about them, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Um, Like I said, been to Montana a couple times, Yellowstone, but no. Yeah. No, no pets. <laughs> Not close. <laughs> what are you most proud of? Being a father. Yeah, being a girl dad. I got all girls. Mm-hmm. Um, e- easily the, the most thing I'm proud of in life mm-hmm. is having daughters. Yep. My younger brother just had his first baby. She's okay. a girl. And he said, I've never been more scared of anything in my entire life. Is that kind of what it feels like? It is early on, especially if you have a girl. Yeah. You know, because you know what your intentions were coming up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little karma there. Uh-huh. But then it's like there's no manual to this. Right. It's a little precious baby. So, yeah, you're scared. But then once you start realizing, you know, I'm not too bad of a parent, mm-hmm. that's when the proud feeling starts to come. When you see them growing up and maturing, you're like, I, did, I played a part <laughs> in that. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you look up to? Um, I look up to... Um, I'll keep it local. Um, I look up to Chester Grundy. Um, I look up to PG Peoples. I look up to Dr. Roger Cleveland. Um, I looked up to my dad. Um, Just anybody who paved the way for me, um, endured sacrifice um, so I could do things that maybe they couldn't do or so I could have that next step up, right? You know the old adage, you know, they crawl so you could walk, they walk so you could run type thing. So. Yeah, there's a lot of people here in Lexington that laid the path um, for me, and so I'm grateful to them. What are you most looking forward to? Just what's next. I, you know, I don't. I'm a person that has no. I'm not a, a ambitious person. You know, I'm Which just is surprising. You would think yeah. that 
a lot. That's the biggest surprise right. misconception people have. But zero ambition. My only ambition is I'm blessed that God's going to give me time and I can't wait until he tells me what's next. Right. That's mm. it. Just see what's next. Mm. Yeah. Why do you love our community? I love Kentucky. I love Lexington because of the fight that it has. Um, anytime we're down, I feel like everybody rallies around. Mm. It's a Kentucky thing. Like, I said it in a song called Kentucky We Fight, right? Like, literally, whether it the pandemic, social unrest, um, people are hurting. Just feel like Lexington and Kentucky as a whole tries to pick each other up. Like, it's the spirit of where we're from. I, I don't know. I just love that about my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you love yourself? Um, Because I am authentic to who I am in the moment. Somebody asked me back in 2013, they said, you should switch to gospel rap. You would take over gospel rap. They're all corny. Like, you would bring the real <laughs> and this, that, and the third. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was still cussing in my music. I was, you know, I told my girlfriend at the time, I said, I'm not going front to be any harder than I am, but I ain't going front to be any more righteous than what I am. Right. I want to know exactly where I am at any given time so I can have a legit book of this is my life. This is how I progressed. And so that would probably be the thing I love about me is I am what I am. You know, my wife would tell you I ain't. I try to be, but take it or leave it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shrug emoji. Yeah, you know. So. Last question. Okay. Where can people get in touch with you? What do you have going on that you need help with? How yes. can people reach out? Yes. Give us all the goods. Best way to hit me is um, at dkarama at lexingtonky.gov. Um, and it's pretty easy to find. If you just Google Divine Karama 1 Lexington, it'll pop up. We always need volunteers, um, especially with the summer months coming, summer programs. Um, excuse me. Um, we got a couple events coming up to celebrate hip hop, so we love people to come out, support that. And so um, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, my phone stays pretty pretty litty <laughs> throughout the day. Um, but, yeah, I'm easy to catch. Can confirm. Very easy to catch. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I might not always be here. When but, I'm supposed to, but, but you can get a hold of me, here, though. That's yeah, for yeah, sure. No doubt. <laughs> Divine, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. I this really is great. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Glad we finally got to connect. Yes, maybe in the summer you can come back and we can do, you can bring friends. And we I can would do love a 50th that. hip-hop celebration here. I would love that. Let's do it. Let's do that. All right. Okay. See you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Do Good Radio Hour, brought to you by Bluegrass Community Foundation. We'll be back next week right here on Radio Lex, or you can listen to us anytime on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at BGCFKY, or visit us at BGCF.org to stay up to date on all of the latest giving and do-good opportunities in our community. Until next time, I'm Courtney Turner. Do good and be well. You are listening to the Do Good Radio Hour on Radio Lex, WLXU 93.9 LP FM Lexington. Our theme song is Happy Tune, written and performed by Brother Smith.